0: good afternoon. I'm here with Kirsten Beck. Kirsten, how are you today? I'm great, thanks. How are you? I'm terrific, and I'm so pleased that you're part of the Iconic Woman series. Part of being an Iconic Woman means that you're at the tippy top of the pyramid, and there's probably not many other people up there with you in terms of women that are there to stand beside you, or even over you, or for that matter, underneath you. So, Tell me how it must be at Avison Young as the woman at the top of the pyramid, and what are you doing about it to bring more women in? And how many other women are there that are doing something like what you're doing to support your efforts? Thank you. Sure. So I have been with Avison Young a little over nine
1: years now, as part of an acquisition uh, back in 2012 from the Walsh Company, which is based in New Jersey. So uh, over those nine years, I've been promoted several times, most recently, or last, to principal in charge of project management in New York. Uh, across the project management business within Avis and Young, we actually have several female principals, but within the New York office itself, there are just three of us out of about 30, 32 principals. Nikki Harriet, who's a principal in the brokerage group, and then Dorothy Albert, who's the president of the tri-state. So, you know, it's been interesting to, to watch that change. It's definitely a, a goal of ours to bring more women into the business as a whole. Project management tends to get more women uh, just because it's often people come out of design or an architecture and engineering more so than, than the brokerage businesses. And my team uh, right now is, uh, we're an odd number, so it winds up we're about 46% female, which is, a, I think, a pretty good, pretty good number. How
0: large is your team? Thirteen. And so you have seven women? Or, yes. Or six women? Six. Six, six women no, sorry. and
1: seven men. Yes. Sorry. That, and, <laughs> I had to do that math in my head.
0: And, and that was, that was yeah, quick math um, on yes. the back of an envelope. So tell me, of those six women are compared to the seven men, are they on equal standing?
1: The team is pretty well balanced, but I have a female colleague Lauren Werther who's been with me uh, in January it'll be 12 years that she's worked with me and she is being promoted to vice president so she's she's my number two she really always has been when Avis Young acquired us as part of the Walsh company it was myself and Lauren and and one other woman actually at the time so the three of us and so Lauren's been with me all this time and as I've gone up the ladder I've, I've taken her with me. She's earned every step of the way, so now she will be my number two, and I have two male directors who will be under her, and then the teams are are pretty mixed from there, combinations of assistant project managers, project managers, and and senior project managers.
0: So to become a vice president at Avis & Young, it must be difficult. I'm sure there's some financial commitment, or or do you need to do a certain amount of deals? How does that work?
1: There's no financial commitment until you become a principal in the firm, which is something that Lauren and I are working towards for her to become a principal. Being a vice president is really, you know, years of experience, volume of work that she manages, the number of people that she manages, and really over the last year and a half, two years almost now with COVID, you know, she's kind of been managing the group as a whole. As I've been working on bigger, you know, national and global projects with, with the leadership
0: at Ay. So speaking of national and global projects, I know you have a few exciting ones with the LinkedIn seven hundred and fifty thousand at the Empire State Building, and yes. at uh, the Chrysler Building, you have a big uh, hedge fund. I think it's High Tower Advisors.
1: High Tower Financial Advisors. Yes, they are currently uh, in a one office together, but they've decided to separate their corporate office and their the, the financial advisor business and that business is going into the Chrysler Building. So we've just started that project. We've been working with LinkedIn at the Empire State Building for, oh my gosh, but I guess it's been about three years now, maybe more. Uh, my timeline's all off courtesy of COVID. But we've renovated a couple of floors for LinkedIn and they, they have several floors, of course, and they're just kind of on a rolling schedule to renovate and then and, and restack. So we've now touched, I think, or five floors, and there are, you know, many more to come.
0: What kind of budget do, does someone have for that size company?
1: You know, the, the budgets vary, you know, on a single floor, if you're just doing kind of a refresh, you know, it might only be a few million dollars, like only, I'm using mm-hmm. finger quotes, only a few million dollars. Yes. But to do a complete gut renovation of, you know, of 50,000 square feet can be tens of millions of dollars. And then some of our larger projects run in the hundreds of millions of dollars, depending on how complex they are.
0: What about something like Tammany Hall? I'm just curious, because you had mentioned that's a historical building at 44 Union Square, I believe. Yes. Is is that a gut renovation, or is that just a refresher?
1: Well, that's a little bit of a combination. We're actually working for the building owner in that case, and so they, it's the Reading Theater Company, had purchased the building a couple of years ago, and they had a tenant, and they had done some work to accommodate that tenant, and then the, uh, the lease did not go through. So now they're trying to get a new tenant, and so we're doing really just, again, I, finger quotes, a couple million dollars of work, of uh, landlord work in order to accommodate the tenant, and then the tenant will do their own interior build-out, unless they come back and ask us to do it, which, which often happens, you know, you get asked to do one small project or a portion of a project, and then it often snowballs into more work and, and more things to do.
0: I'd like to ask you a little bit about mentoring, and perhaps there wasn't any in your life, and maybe it was at a very young age, maybe it was a family member, such as a mother or a sister or a family friend. But just tell me, with, outside the industry and within the industry, where did you get the ability to get where you've come, and wh- what did your give back now, whether it's organizations you belong to, how are you helping others, and what organizations do you support because you believe in them? Thanks.
1: I would have to say that it really started outside of the industry and at a very young age I am fortunate to have two very strong grandmothers both of whom worked when I was a child so I was accustomed to seeing women and these were you know women in the in the 60s but who had gotten married after World War II uh, who, who worked outside the home so I, I saw that and they had very equal relationships at home so I had that to start with. My mother was also a working mother and very strong at that, and a a single mother. My parents divorced when I was very young, so I saw all of that in my early life. In my career, I really worked primarily for men, but they were all very supportive of me and helped me to grow in that way from a career standpoint. Because to be honest, in the 80s, there weren't even that many women executives that I knew of so I worked I worked for a lot of men. But as I've gotten a, a little older and grown myself, I've worked with a lot of very strong women. My colleague and peer in the New Jersey office for Avis and Young, I've worked with her for 15 years. We now have a leader of professional services in AY, Sheila Bodding out of Canada, who's been with us now, I guess, almost two years all through COVID. So that's all been mentoring via Zoom. I've also been a member of IFMA and Cornet for many years, and I've gotten mentoring there and also had the opportunity to mentor a lot of young women in the various real estate and construction businesses.
0: What Just because some people might not know, what is IFMA and what is Cornet, just in a nutshell, please? Sure. Cornet is
1: the commercial real estate networking group, so it's a lot of brokers and people in the real estate and construction business, as well as real estate executives within organizations, so that the leaders of real estate in those companies. IFMA is the International Facility Managers Association, those are folks that are typically facilities managers, asset managers, building engineers, and again the vendors that support those businesses. I was a member of IFMA many years ago as a facilities manager, because I started on that side of the business, so it's kind of come full circle.
0: So the million dollar question Kirsten, were you up for a promotion? Actually, did you ask for the promotion, and in the end, did you get the promotion? I'd
1: taken on a lot of extra responsibility, and i mentored a lot of the people on the team, and I was, you know, I was waiting like a good girl for the end of the year for my review and for someone to say, and because of all your hard work, you're getting a promotion, and it didn't happen, and I just kind of was like, what's happening here? And I, I mean, I went above my boss, and I went to the owner of the company, and I said, did you not? Like, why wouldn't you promote me? I've done all this stuff, I'm mentoring all these people. They all, Everyone on the team comes to me. I'm not even the manager of the team. Oh, you want that? Wanted to hit him over the head with a baseball bat. Of course I want that.
0: <laughs> Specifically, because property and project management, to your point, is a very much a hands on. You have to sort of be, you have to think about things in advance. You have to pre sort of right. meditate so much. And so you're always on. You're always on, right? Always. And always. the fact that they didn't see that you what's the what's the next for Kirsten back? And that conversation didn't come up with this management team or whomever where you right. like your boss. So what happened to your boss? Is he still there?
1: Well he sold the company to AY um, and continued to work here for six years and So this is Walsh and Company? Walsh. It was just it's just called the Walsh Company. So, he had a five-year contract, he stayed for six years, and then he left.
0: So, it was because of Ed Walsh that you ended up with the promotion after 15 years?
1: That was several years ago, because I got that promotion, and then I started the New York office, which got rolled into AY when we were acquired, and after I did that for a couple of years, I called another meeting, Ed and his brother, who ran the company, I said, I'm coming to the Morristown office. I want to sit down in person with both of you. I'll be there whatever day it was and time. I'm like, and I need to talk to you guys. And I said, you know, okay, I've done all this. I'm like, I want to be a vice president. I want to make this much money. And I want to be a principal in this firm. And I want you to tell me how that happened. And if it can't happen, then you can sit with that. But I'm here to look you in the eye and deliver it and either make it happen or, or don't. <laughs> so. And, and they did. And, and I will say, back to the financial aspect, I was a single mother and I've been single most of my life. I am 100% reliant on my own finances. I did not have the money to buy the shares. They gave me the shares that made that's me wonderful. able to be a principal. So I don't want any of it to sound like they weren't good to me, but Absolutely. it's just even people who really value you don't give you things that you don't ask for.
0: And so the shares made you get over the goal line to become not just yes. the project management vice president. You became that as a result of getting the shares, so that you could become a principal and afford to become yes. a principal. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. An interesting web we weave. <laughs> yes, and and you know,
1: when I had to be nominated, and there was it was interesting because I because I'm a person that everyone talks to. I found out that. My own bosses didn't necessarily nominate me, although they had given me the shares, so they knew, I guess, that it was happening. But they'd given me the shares uh, probably about a year before I became a principal. But the board of directors that year met in our New York office, and the CEO came and found me to tell me that I was unanimously approved as a as a principal, which was very nice. He came and sought me out. And who was um, that? Mark Rose.
0: That's wonderful. So yeah. Mark Rose gave you the big gold star, so to speak, and that yes. that must mean you feel terrific.
1: Oh, it does. I love Mark. We're, we're, you know, I consider him a friend, and uh, you know, he's he's been great and very supportive. And you know, and so on the flip side, I've made a point the opposite, right? I've built this this bridge, and now I'm trying to bring other people across it with me. So you know, Lauren started with me 14 years ago. And 14, 12, 12 years ago.
0: That's wonderful. And, you know,
1: was 20-something years old. And she was an assistant project manager. And she's going to be a vice president on January 3rd. That's and so
0: exciting. Lauren Werder. that is. Yes. And and she's the one that you said will be promoted to probably ultimately a vice president and hopefully ultimately a principal, too. Yes. And,
1: yes. Oh, yeah. And we've talked about it, you know, because, you know, she knows what the financial implication is. and. I'm trying to figure out if, if I have enough shares that I can give her some of mine. Since they were gifted to me, I, I want to try to help her. I can't give her enough because I don't have double the amount that I need, but I do have more than the minimum requirement. And then I'm working with her to figure out, like, can she buy two shares? We have a, an open offering once a year to employees to, to invest but it's still a minimum of ten thousand dollars. But if she does ten thousand this year and ten thousand the next, and then I give her some, and the company does grant new principals some shares, some like trying to help her cobble it together. And the and ultimate
0: investment that every principal has to give is approximately a hundred thousand, or is that what uh, it It's a
1: hundred thousand Canadian.
0: Canadian. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Understood. Yes. When you thought about what your career was going to be and what you were going to study when you grew up, I, I gather that when you were in the industry, we won't look look back at high school and college, but we will look when you're in the industry. Are there certificates? Are there things to keep you on your toes that you need to have? And do you try to do even more than what's asked of you so that you have that competitive edge and add more additional value to your projects and just to the company as a whole? I specifically sought out project management, professional certification
1: of PMP through PMI. I was changing from having worked on the end user side to go into the consulting side, and I thought that that was valuable and that it would prove to anyone considering me for a role that I took it seriously and was willing to invest in that. When we were acquired by Avis and Young, I also took it upon myself to get my real estate salesperson's license. I'm not a broker, but I have my license, so I can participate on a team and, and be part of the, the solution for our clients and have that, that full full circle view of of that and I do recommend to folks that work for me or that ask my opinion who want to get into this business that getting your PMP shows a certain level of dedication you're willing to put the time in and study and take the exam and frankly spend a little money and invest in yourself there are other certifications that are more specialized like LEED if you've heard of LEED the leadership in energy efficient design there are well building certifications or accreditations and those are also useful. But I, I highly recommend a PMP to anyone who's trying to transition into this business.
0: What about with all this high tech? I don't think in buildings you see a lot of people asking Siri to turn on the lights for you, although you might. But just in terms of technology, anything that you're having to do in terms of smart buildings or smart spaces?
1: Always. Uh, and New York City in particular is pretty far advanced with their own regulations and code requirements. So a lot of things that would have been considered extra in the past or in other markets are code required here. Things like vacancy sensors in offices and daylight uh, harvesting, which is where the lights have a sensor then they can tell if enough natural sunlight is coming in that the lights themselves don't need to be on. So they balance to a certain foot candle, not to get too technical, but to a certain foot candle. So you're not using as much energy if there's plenty of light coming in from the outside. So there are a bunch of things like that. Also most designers have become pretty standard at using recycled materials for ceiling tiles and carpet tile. So a lot of it's become natural at this point, but you know, we have some local laws coming up in New York that are really going to challenge those things and really challenge mechanical and electrical design. Uh, And it's all gotten very convoluted, frankly, with, Covid and and the additional things people are now doing in their buildings to combat Covid and other you know particle based bacteria I guess I don't know I'm not a scientist so those might not be the right it's,
0: words. it's it's interesting to me to your point is New York ahead of the curve or is it sort of same as California let's say or Chicago in terms of air quality in the buildings and in the spaces which you are working on I mean I don't know if New York is You know, more cutting edge, and also, is it are the requirements stricter here?
1: I think we're not quite as strict as California. California has extremely strong uh, energy laws, uh, but we're certainly better than than other places. But also, we are the most densely populated city, and so our buildings are just emitting, you know, carbon dioxide all the time, and it's it is a problem, and it is something that we have to work towards. But they're not easy solutions. You don't just change a filter. And reduce those emissions in some cases there are you know tens and hundreds of millions of dollars of investment that's required so it'll be interesting to see how that rolls out in the next couple of years we've been benchmarking building emissions for i don't know exactly how many years
0: now but at least four or five years and in 2024 we have our first real test of how buildings are improving in the city great I know you are you have your broker's license, although you don't broker, but I'm sure you have to know what's going on in the industry, specifically since I am a broker and I know the market seems like the velocity isn't really there. Often office is the last thing to come back after residential, but we're seeing velocity in residential. We're seeing people come back to New York and buy apartments and get out of New York and sell them. What are you seeing? Because you're with Avis and Young, you have a lot of brokers there that I'm sure are talking. Uh, what is happening with the brokerage and also the pricing of office spaces and retail spaces?
1: So we are seeing that business come back. Maybe not as quickly as everyone had hoped. You know, these variants have, have you know spun everyone out a little bit. But the fact of the matter is, companies need office space. There will always be some company that can figure out how to deal without it, and some other company that's growing and needs more office space. And we're seeing that the pricing stay pretty steady. What we're seeing is better incentives packages from the landlords they want to maintain that base rent right they all have financials that they have to do report so we're you know something that was 75 dollars a square foot might be down to 72 but they're giving a bigger concession package more free rent more tenant allowance uh investment but the, the base rents are not are not really shifting that much uh so that there's you know good financial reporting on behalf of the landlords
0: are you seeing much of a sublet market, or are people giving up some space, or are landlords taking the space back? Do you know about that?
1: There, there are some people that that's the best solution for them. Either they have a long-term lease still to ride out, so they're kind of consolidating and subleasing some space, or on the flip side, their lease is up, and instead of investing in a full build-out of new space, they're taking some space that's already built that's been vacated by someone else. But that's kind of always the case in our business, and I always tell people to remember in any kind of financial setback, any kind of recession, when some businesses are shrinking, other businesses are always growing. So I think they ultimately, you have to ride it out a little bit, but they wind up offsetting one
0: another. Well, you, I assume, work on a percentage basis versus a commission. Is that how it works? You get a piece of like the overall property management fee? Personally
1: or the business? The the business. The business. So we, we work on a flat primarily on a flat fee we take a project by itself assess the resources that are needed to manage that project and give the client a fee and so it's a we do some hourly things if they're small or short term but they're typically fee based
0: and is your business down versus last year like 21 versus 20 or has it picked up our
1: business our business in 21 is a little ahead of 2020 great and definitely ahead of what we targeted for the year
0: and 2019 i assume was a relatively strong year
1: 2019 was strong 2020 (laughs) the funniest thing is in february of 2020 i was on track to have my best year ever uh we still did manage to hit 90 percent of our target for a a year with the global pandemic i think was pretty good that's amazing we have some very big projects that just continued to roll right through covid which was lucky for us really i mean you couldn't have planned that so i can't take any credit for it but just you know, I think that, well.
0: I think you can take some credit for it because they came to you and you told me that it's not just business that's brought to you. You have to go out and pitch new business. Isn't that true? So you are in the yes. business development area too. Yes, we do both. We, we pitch business with our brokers
1: and our brokers introduce us to their clients. But I also am out in the industry in different events and I network with architects and contractors and engineers and I get referrals that way. So we do about 50% of our business in-house and 50% is outside sales.
0: I'm going to ask you the final question. The big question of the day is where is, where is property management? Where is office quality of life? and work going what is the direction and what do you see what would you like to see happening and what are you seeing happening and what do you predict? That's a big question and it's been asked a lot over the last year and a
1: half and every time we think we're at a turning point with COVID uh, we get a a curveball but I do think that there will be some work-life balance that comes out of this although I think we've all seen the pendulum swing too far In the beginning, it seemed pretty balanced. Then it seemed like everyone could just work 24 hours a day because you couldn't go anywhere anyway. Now I think people are saying, you know, I don't want to do that. I want to work, I want to be productive, and I want to be part of my organization, whatever that organization is, but also I can't be in front of this computer 12 hours a day and not do anything else. I think that we'll see people, I think this is more hope. (laughs) I hope that we see people come back to work, go back to their offices, don't think we really truly understood what a microcosm, those those buildings in New York that have thousands of employees, what that creates around it in in just the immediate couple of blocks, the stores that are there, the restaurants, uh, those kinds of things that thrive on those people being there, and the life that's out on the street when people are hustling from one place to another. I think it would be best for everyone if we found that balance, and I hope that that's what we come back to.
0: So do I. I like going to the office because then you can see people.
1: <laughs> I do too. I, you know, I like on a Monday, not going to lie, I usually just get out of bed and sit right here and I don't have to do too much else. And yeah. It's a good way to ease into the week. But Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, it's hustle, hustle, hustle. And then Friday, I have meetings all morning and then I try to leave the afternoon to just kind of like clean up and prepare.
0: <laughs> well, I'm going to uh, just send out some very good vibrations that... 2022 is a massive year for you. And Hope. that's fingers crossed. And I'm excited that I had an opportunity to speak to an iconic woman who's worked on iconic properties and continues to. And more exciting, you're going to Billy Joel with your mother tonight. Have fun. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> anyway, thank you for thank your time.
1: You. Thank you so much, Cindy. It was a
0: pleasure. Yeah. Pleasure. Thank you.
1: Have a great holiday and a happy new year.
0: Thank you. Merry, Merry. <laughs>